a lot of this equipment is actually just like handed down from uh, a good friend of mine um, and he actually event me eventually I should say just let me borrow it or let me buy it wow geez <laughs> my brain is just not working today oh that's okay sometimes I have that I have that uh, those days too you know where I'm up on stage and I'm in front of all those people all those thousands of hundreds of thousands of millions of people and I just I get uh, you know the heebie-jeebies the willy-nillies you know that sort of thing and I just get all clammy but then I remember I tell people fart jokes all the time so I guess the set of standards isn't that high you know I don't have anything too nervous to be about but you know, that's just, uh, that's just my audience, I guess, you know, they love me, they love what I stand for, and they love who I am, so I, I kind of just keep that in the back of my head, and try not to think about it too much, so, um, if that's something that you want to do, then I find it's very helpful for not just me, but people that I've told that to. Well, thank you, Larry, that's, you know, that's very insightful, and, um, you know, that's very kind of you to say, um, you know, just thinking about all the different ways that my brain likes to, you know, play tricks on me and stuff, but it's just one of those things where sometimes I get too in my own head about things, you know, like it's, it's just kind of something that has just lingered with me for a good portion of my life. So I appreciate it. And I appreciate you being on, um, for today's really special episode. I'm, I'm sorry that Matt couldn't be here, but, um, you know, I'm just glad that we managed to get you on at all. Well, I, I thank you very much. It's it's very kind of you to say, and uh, I'm just I'm just happy to be here. All right, and uh, with that, I guess we can get started. I can intro. Let's do it. Fuck you. I'm just trying to fucking help you. You understand me? I'm being a fucking collaborator. I was trying to help you figure out your fucking pictures, you bitch. I'm not here to be fucking yelled at. I worked on this thing for three fucking years, not to have some fucking cunt yell at me in front of the fucking crew when I'm trying to fucking help you, bitch. Oh Jesus, that's whoa, that's that's pretty rough. That's pretty rough. Isn't yeah, it? it's it's a little it's a little harsh. Um, so uh, this is usually the part of the show where we try to guess like what director said this. Well, I say we, but usually it's usually it's Mac who tries to guess that since. He's like, oh, you were the only one here most of the time. Oh, okay. So you were, oh, gotcha. You weren't, you weren't actually yelling that at me. Oh God. I was, I was scared for a second out of my wits that you were, (laughs) you were actually uh, a little, little frowned upon me. You know, I, I thought you were actually angry with me for, for some odd reason. Oh no, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Larry. I, I really wasn't, that wasn't directed at you. No, that's just part of the show that we. You know, we read off a quote, a director's quote, and then we try to guess who said that, you know. So, uh, yeah. Uh, can you guess what director said that? Hmm. Well, it's got to be someone who's got a lot of pent-up hostility, obviously. From the from the sound of that quote, it sounds like they've got a lot of, a lot of rage, a lot of anger issues, a lot of uh, different kinds of demons hold up in their head. And uh, I don't think that any wholesome person man or woman or whatever else they want to identify as can uh can ever ever harbor any of that stuff while being a sensible human being so i think uh i think i'm gonna go with my my heart of cards here and i'm, I'm gonna say uh uh steven spielberg 
Uh, no, it was not Steven Spielberg. All right, uh, I'm going to give it one more go around. Uh, I'm going to say, um, oh, God, who's a, who's a director? Um, you know, I don't really... Uh, know that many directors, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take a stab at the dark here, and I'm gonna say John Favreau. No, it was not John Favreau. It was um David O. Russell. Who the f- who the hell is David O. Russell? Um, David O. Russell. He directed movies like Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle, um, I Heart Huckabees, which is actually the movie uh, that he was on set for when he had this. Uh, outburst, I guess you could say, for lack of a better word. Fuck you! I'm just trying to fucking help you. Do you understand me? No, no, you're not. I'm being a fucking collaborator. I'm just trying to help you figure out the fucking picture. Hey, bitch! Uh, this is actually a video that was recorded of him yelling at actress Lily Tomlin um, over a dispute they had with setting up blocking for a scene or certain lines of dialogue in the script or something or another, but it's a very short video, but you can look it up on YouTube. Oh, okay, yeah. I sometimes go on YouTube, but I only I only really look at it to look at um, I only really go on there to look at some uh my favorite country TikToks. I do I do like it when the the cowboys go giddy up and they they get to dancing in front of that screen there, and it's uh you know it's such a good wholesome time. I, if I do say so myself. Oh, okay, I got you. You're not really one to branch out or anything. No, not not really. I mean, I, honestly, other than listening to your show, which I I do on the Apple Podcast, which you know I know this show is available on. Um, you know, other than that, really, that and the cowboy TikToks is my only real form of uh, entertainment now nowadays. Um, uh, besides, of course, the the series of films that we're going to touch on eventually today. Um, it's uh, it's gonna be a hoot and a holler if if I tell you what, get her done, you know. <laughs> Yep, that's my catchphrase. Well, that is your catchphrase. And actually, before we uh, we get into the film discussions that we have ahead of us, which is going to be a hefty discussion, um, believe you me, we uh, we should probably talk about you being on the show since you're really like the first major celebrity guest that we've ever had on the podcast. And you know, hopefully you won't be the last one that we have. Um, and, who, you know, who knows how this episode's going to turn out, hopefully for the better. But, um, you know, we should talk about the things that you've done because obviously you're a big name. You're Larry the Cable Guy. You're, you've uh, you've inspired a lot of people. You, you're a stand-up comedian. You're very famous. And you've also been in some movies of which, you know, this podcast is about. Um, so I just wanted to quickly ask you and maybe touch on some of the films that you've made oh yes absolutely no problem that that sounds like a magnanimous task to me um i i do i will say from the get-go that um you know i'm not really a film buff i'm not really a film critique uh of any sorts so i don't know how rightful my place on this on this show right now is but um i I will say I, i will give it my best shot and uh whatever you throw my way i will come back at you with respect and with dignity well that's that's good i'm, I'm glad to hear that larry I'm, I'm glad do you do you prefer being called larry or do you prefer being called by a real name which is dan dan whitney i believe um i don't i don't really know I, i'm not sure of this dan person you're speaking of but um 
uh, I, 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 you know, my, my God given name, my, my Christian name, my government name has always been, uh, Larry, the cable guy ever since I slipped out of the womb right there, um, in, in that, their hospital room. That's, that's pretty much what's been stamped on my umbilical cord, which I kept to this day is, uh, Larry, the cable guy. And, uh, I, I really don't know this, this Dan figure you're speaking of. I don't even know if I know anybody in real life that's named Dan, um, I'm pretty sure that's just a made-up name, but uh, Larry's good. To you know, to make a long, long tangent short, uh, Larry will do. Um, but thank you for inquiring about the the precipitations happening in your mind just now. Oh, okay. I'm, I could have sworn your name was also like your real name was Dan. I, I guess maybe that's just a fabrication that's been widespread online somehow. Um, but I guess uh, Larry works for me too, so I guess that's what we will refer to you now as. But I wanted to ask you about um, some specific movies that you've been in. So you were in a movie called Delta Farce, which stars your blue-collar comedy co-star, uh, Bill Ingvall. Can you take me a little bit through of, uh, of what that was like and the filming process behind it and what kind of inspired the film being made in the first place. <laughs> well, obviously, uh, the first and foremost thing I want to say about Delta Farce is that um, Delta Farce was made with the, the, good old, the good old American men and women in mind who are serving and have currently, uh, I mean, previously served their country. And uh, I just want to give a big shout out to the troops because really that's that's what the movie was made for. But um, uh, again, really into it. Honestly, the movie was just a bunch of goofs and gaffes about the ineptitude of the U.S. military. I mean, <laughs> it's it's really fun. It's really funny to me that uh, you know you could take these guys, you know, these country bumpkins, and send them off to war, and then they accidentally land in Mexico instead of Iraq. You know, that, I think that's funny right there. I don't care who you are. Um, but it's just a funny concept to me. Um, the film, as far as the filmmaking process went, um, really the, the credit goes to our director who was, um, CBD Harding. I think his name was, I, I don't really remember too well. I was kind of blacked out during that whole process, but, um, it was, he made it a lot of fun. He brought a lot of puppets to the, sh- to the set and, uh, you know, encouraged us using the puppets to, uh, you, you really give it our all, give it our best shot, give it our best performance. And I mean, you know, it's not like an affair that we knew was going to get nominated for the Academy Awards or the Oscars or whatever they're calling them nowadays. But um, I, I, I will say he did encourage us to really to really strive home the, the dialogue and the performances and uh, what we could personally bring to the table. Um, and I'll tell you what. Working with my buddy Bill was one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. I was so glad that Bill Ingvall was by my side. Because if he wasn't by my side, I would have been the only country bumpkin left in that movie. And I don't think I could have handled that very well. So, uh, I, you know, I really appreciate him being there. And uh, I'm, I'm, just glad that, uh, I'm just glad that he was there. I wish I could have brought my other buddies, um, you know, from the Blue Collar Comedy Troupe, which I was a part of and was hugely successful. It was one of the best, most successful stand-up comedy shows of all time. So, uh, it's just, it's just wonderful that I could at least have Bill there, though. That was, that was pretty cool. Get her done. Well, that was a very detailed answer, huh? <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, no, that, I totally get that. Um, 
and I did actually watch the movie years and years ago. Um, and I don't really remember too much for uh, from that film, but I remember that at one point Jeff Dunham shows up, and uh, he's in like a bar, and then his puppet gets shot or something. Like one of his like Pedro, I think it's like Pedro the Jalapeno on a stick gets shot or something. It's I don't know. It's very like intense and fast paced to say the least. Um, but I mean. I will be the first to admit that as I've gotten older and looked back on it, it's, you know, it's not the greatest film ever made. I think we can both admit that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what you mean by that. I really do hold that film near and dear to my heart. And I, I think I would thank you kindly not to really speak that ill of it. Um, I know you you got your opinions and your viewpoints, but it, it'd just be best if you keep that one to yourself, you know. Oh, uh, okay, I'm... I'm sorry. I did. I really didn't mean to uh, offend you um, in any way, shape, or form. But I mean, let's be real. the The movie it has a five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it really wasn't that much of a financial success. Um, it probably garnered a lot of DVD after release sales. But I mean, I it, it's a schlocky comedy that was made in the mid 2000s so it's it's very kind of like of the time at least that you can admit oh i mean i can admit that at the time we knew that we were making one of the greatest uh war masterpieces ever made and uh you know with little bits of comedy a little bit of heart a little bit of uh a little bit of emotion put into the performances in the script and uh i think that us giving a uh, giving it our all really deserves a lot of credit and I, i'm i'm not you know, honestly, if you say one more bad thing about this, I might just just up and walk out and leave and tell people to never listen to the Neon Crew podcast ever again. But I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't think we need to go that far with it, do we? I yeah, I, I guess I guess not. No, um, but yeah, uh, that was okay. Um, so moving on, I, I want to touch on your, your other film that you were in, um, that I at, at least one of the ones that is stuck in my mind, um, which is Jingle All the Way 2. Now what's interesting to me is that this film is a sequel to a movie that came out in, I believe, the 90s, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And what's fascinating about it is that you weren't in the first film, but you are the star of the second film. And uh, I guess I just wanted to ask you, not you know, nothing from like a critical standpoint or, you know, about the movie itself, really, as as in terms of quality. But I just wanted to ask you, um, what what kind of shoes was it to fill in terms of like going from Arnold Schwarzenegger to Larry the Cable Guy? Well, I I, I will tell you this, um, I did actually meet with Arnold before I. Before I uh, took the role, because I knew that it was important with him, and that it pertained a lot to what he brought to the to the movie, at least the first movie, and uh, he he's really what made that first movie special. I tell you what, if it he you know he goes around and goes blah, 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 you know he's like that big old Australian guy, you know. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's Austrian. I'd, um, yeah, Australian, Australian, you know, same thing. Um, but anyhow. Uh, I did actually meet up with him, and I, well, I say meet up, but I, I called him a few times. He never picked up, but I assume that he was okay with uh, me taking part in in the second movie, and uh, you know, I kind of count that as like his blessing towards me, like him giving me his blessing to do the film, and uh, 
I, I really, I'm really lucky to count that as a part of my filmography and as an artist and as someone who likes to create things and bring them out to the people. It's, you know, it's something that I, I take pride in. It's something that I'm proud of. And, uh, hell yeah, get her done. Well, that's, that's very admirable. And, um, that's cool. I, I, you know, I actually haven't seen Jingle all the way to, um, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Oh, you haven't. Oh, okay. Well, shit. Well, I know what I'm getting you from my, from my, uh, glove compartment in my truck after this recording's done. Uh, I always keep a couple copies on me just in case someone, you know, who I come across tells me that they haven't seen the movie. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm just, I'm just star spangled bannered on my ass cheeks to give you the copy that I have sitting in my truck right now. So I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that because now I can finally get rid of it and I can, you know, move on to something else with my life. All right. Well, I appreciate the gift. I mean, you know, it, it'll be nice to have another gift that goes towards the podcast. So um, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um. So I think with that said and done, um, I believe that uh, we can transition into talking about our series of films. So. Usually when we have a guest on the show, at least in terms of having Mac's brother Sam on, uh, usually I like to let the guest pick what film or films uh, they would like to talk about for the episode that they're on. And I remember I reached out to you. I sent you an email uh, and I was just curious about like your favorite movies, really trying to kind of get a get a pool uh, to pick from you know, for whatever you want to talk about. And, uh, what was interesting to me is I didn't really ask you for anything specific. I just said, give me your top 10, uh, favorite movies of all time. And you only sent back four of them. And all four of them were a part of the live action Alvin and the Chipmunks quadrilogy. Um, and I, you know, obviously at first I thought you were joking, I thought you were pulling a goof and a gaff on me. Why? Why would I pull a why? Why would I pull a gaff on you? A goof as you, as you those sound like British terms. I don't know what that. I I, I was being genuine. I, oh, I know. I I know now you were being genuine, which um, which leads us here today. Your movies that you want to talk about for your appearance on the show are all four live action Alvin and the Chipmunks films. And I had to, I had to agree to the terms. Um, you know, it's something that we abide by here at the Neon Crew podcast. And uh, I ended up watching all four of them, every single one. That's that's amazing. I, I'm glad that you could experience them. Um, would you tell me, were there any that you had already seen before that you were already familiar with, or was this like a first time thing for you all across the board? Well, I had seen the first one before when it came out when i was a kid um i don't remember exactly how old i was i think i was at least around like 10 or 11 and i remember thinking that it was like a cute kids film obviously i was still a kid but i really didn't think much of it i actually kind of forgot a lot of what happens in the movie and uh revisiting this one now um I definitely have changed feelings on it that's for sure from when i was a kid well that's that's great to hear so uh, uh yeah i guess um, so these four films, they're, they're ones that have spoken to me. They're ones that have touched my heart and, and my soul and my, my breath and every, every capacity. Uh, 
it has affected nearly every facet of my life. You know, I, I have a lot of the, the old records that came out in like the 70s and the 80s from uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, you know, Dave Seville and all that is kind of a pseudonym. Um, really, th- this is a this is an intellectual property and a franchise that I, I do believe is, is really guided me through some dark times. It's, it's something that uh, I think about all the time when I whenever I find myself in a really deep hole in a dark despairing lonely corner of my life and it's just something that I can I can look at and see the light in and and kind of gain from it what I need to experience in the moment of despair you know it's it's really something that helps pull me out of that that lonely depressing pit that uh, I often find myself in when you know because I'm I'm someone who you know, I was in Delta Farce. I was in Jingle All the Way too. Um, I've had a pretty successful career as far as being a stand-up comedian and a movie star. But you know, with sometimes with fame, a lot of it is pressure. A lot of it can get up on you and and climb up on your tractor when you don't want it to. So it's just oftentimes overwhelming in in terms of you know me being. I'm I'm just a simple guy. I'm not a movie critique as I've said before, but. Um, you know, finding finding the light in these movies and finding the the truth in the the gospel in these films from uh, Alvin, Simon, Theodore, Dave Seville, like all these characters, Ian played by David Cross, the wonderful David Cross, whom I love. It, it's really just it, it's changed my life, I will say, and that's that's not, just putting it lightly, you know. Um, I'm just I'm getting kind of teared up over it. It's yeah, it's it's something that I can't wait to discuss with you. I, wow, I didn't really, I didn't really understand the the gravity of of the effect that these films had on you, but um, I can see now that they're they're very resonant with you. But I'm I'm very I'm curious where these conversations are going to go. Uh, I will just say that. So uh, I guess with that, we can start talking about Alvin and the Chipmunks, the, uh, the series. Uh, and I guess no better way to start than uh, with the first film. Let's do it. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And do it. And do it. And do it. Let's leave it up and do it. Well, thank you. I think that was so good that uh, we might get copyright stricken. Yeah. All right. So, um. Alvin and the Chipmunks. Uh, let me look up some info about this one. I can take this one, and then if you want to get um, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the squeakquel, uh, you can you summarize that to the best of your abilities. I'll I'll do the first one just kind of as an example, so you know what to do when we get to the next film. All right, sounds good. Get her done. All right, Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, came out 2007. Is a live action slash computer animated musical comedy from uh tim hill and this guy directed um a muppets film uh the second live action garfield movie with bill murray and um he also was a writer on the spongebob squarepants movie okay it's probably the best thing that he's done and uh this film stars jason lee david cross cameron richardson uh featuring the voices of Justin Long, Matthew Gray Gubbler, and Jesse McCartney as Alvin, Simon, and Theodore, respectfully. And this film opens up with uh, the chipmunks in the woods, and 
their tree gets torn down uh and all of a sudden they have a run-in with human singer songwriter dave seville oh i guess he's mostly a songwriter but dave is trying to find music and create songs that will help him make money and live and uh, he's kind of a failure but then he finds the chipmunks he finds out that they can sing and uh, he kind of takes them under his wing. Meanwhile, David Cross plays the villain character, Ian. And he wants to exploit the chipmunks and their talent to, uh, you know, increase his wealth. Let's just say that. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much a summary of the film. Well, I'd say that's a, that's a damn good summary right there. I, I don't know if I could have put it any better myself. You, you got such a way with words, Mr. Yates. I, I admire it. Well, thank you. Um, so, uh, do you want to talk about this first and like how you feel about it? Yeah, sure. So obviously, uh, with this being the origin story, you know, there's a lot of character development going on and, um, you, you know, having to do with the writing and the dialogue and the story that's given to you, um, from the perspective of Dave Seville, obviously Dave is kind of supposed to be the audience. He's supposed to be like in this situation, the kind of fish out of water in terms of like if he's the fish and the chipmunks are the water so to speak (laughs) that's kind of what i have taken away from it after all these years but um anyway from dave's perspective you get a lot of how he views these chipmunks how he perceives these chipmunks and how really he goes through like such a change throughout the film and his character shifts so much and um it's all well good and fun and i just love these little buggers i love i love alvin i think he's cute i think he's a fun little tyke um i really do love simon too he's kind of a nerdy little asshole and then uh the little fat one i forget his name but um little green one he's 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 such a cutie and he's kind of stupid but i I think i like him the most i think i identify with him at at least on on some kind of personal level I, i really do think that you know out of everybody in the earth that walks among us that's a human being everybody can be at least identified by one of three different personalities being an alvin simon or theodore and i think i'm definitely a theodore if i do say so myself i love that little bugger well that was very uh that was a very deep but concise opinion that i think you've brought to the table in terms of talking about this film um i'm gonna be honest with you larry i really i'm not I did not like this film at all. Really? Yeah, no, I, I thought that it was um, really, really bad. And I wanted to find some kind of good quality about it, something that I could latch onto and really identify that's good or at least adequate. And I don't think I really found anything like that. Really? You didn't like... You didn't like the the jokes, the humor didn't land with you. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that this movie has going for it is is the humor. It, I think it's something that it is really like the best part of this whole film. Like if this film, if you took everything good about it, the humor would be number one on my list personally. Well, that's that's good for you, but I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was fucking abysmal. Honestly, I mean, there's a joke where Theodore poops on the couch and dave looks at him and goes theodore did you just poop and simon goes oh no dave that's a that's a raisin and dave is like prove it and so simon puts it in his mouth and looks at dave and goes see 
and Dave walks away, and Simon spits it out and looks at Theodore and says, You owe me after that one. He just, there's a joke in the movie where Simon puts shit in his mouth. How is that funny? I think, <laughs> I love, I do love that scene. It's, I, it, to me, it's kind of, you know, it's a little tongue in cheek or a little poop in cheek, so to speak, you know, if I'm saying. Um, but I, I, I do think that it is uh, one of the funnier jokes in my, in my opinion. Um, the, the, that, that joke had me raffle coptering or however the kids say all over the floor laughing my ass off, you know, LMFAO and Party Rock is in the house tonight. I, I, do, I do think that that joke was pretty funny. I'm actually kind of cracking up about it right now now that I think about it. Okay, so what about, um, what about the, the scene where David Cross, Ian, the villain, has Theodore in front of the camera and he tells Theodore, yeah, spank that butt, spank that big chipmunk butt. He's basically telling him to spank his ass in front of the camera. Like that's, uh, it, you know, if not just unfunny, it, it's a little bit inappropriate for something like a PG kids movie, right? I think it's just all, you know, it's just lighthearted fun. I mean, I, you know, if you ask me too, who doesn't want to see a fat little thick chipmunk spanking his ass in front of the camera? Not that I condone anything like that, but I mean, it is something that I think is, uh, you know, it's in line with the humor. It's in line with the characters and uh, it's in line with the writing. I think we can agree on that because I think that the characters, the writing and the dialogue are just all terrible. It's all shit. It's all just trash, honestly. And I had such a hard time getting through this film. Honestly, I had a hard time getting through all of these films. I, I, I was really wondering what what you saw in each of these. And I'm really hoping that with this discussion, we can kind of pinpoint what it is you value so much about this series of movies, because I really can't find anything in any of them. And I'm, I'm hoping that you can sway me. I really want you to sway me. Well, I'm going to do my damnedest. I tell you what, get her done. And, uh, yeah, we're we're just gonna jump right into it. So, just give me another give me another thing that you didn't weren't too fond of uh, in in this in this. Oh, I I wrote notes. Believe me, Larry, I wrote notes. And so, one of the things that I wrote down was the fact that Dave, as soon as he fails at trying to sell his music, he just throws all of his expensive equipment out in the rain. Like he's just totally given up on being a songwriter. It's like, okay, cool. You feel that way. You're down on your luck. Whatever. Like, why don't you just save that shit and then sell it? Like, you could have had a similar scene where he just puts it away in a garage and then covers it up. But no, they had to have him throw it out in the rain so that later when he meets the chipmunks and the chipmunks are singers, he finds out that he can make music again. He has to rush outside into the rain and bring them all back inside because it's a funny scene. Haha, ha, I've got to save my instruments because they're all going to get wet and get damaged, which miraculously, none of the instruments are damaged or anything like for some reason, water just, they're just waterproof, I guess, even though they're electronic equipment. Well, you see, there's there's a certain level of suspending my disbelief that I really have to apply when when watching this series of films. I mean, obviously, it's about talking chipmunks, so you can't expect that much realism in, in something like this. And I mean, they're kids' movies, too. I mean, you kind of have to give them a pass because... Uh, kids aren't gonna really know the difference between that. I mean, you give a kid a fork and tell them not to stick it in an outlet, I guess what they're gonna do, you know? And, uh, that's just kind of the mentality that I have with it. Um, so, that's kind of just my perspective on it. I mean, that's all well and good, but... It just, the absolute lack of thought put into it. 
like it's sure it's about talking chipmunks but you can at least put thought behind it you can at least apply some kind of logic to the world that it's portraying obviously it's it is about talking chipmunks it's inherently ridiculous but it's it's something that could be well made it's something that could have at least had a little bit of nuance to it a little bit of subtlety and not so much slapstick and fart jokes or dave opening the dishwasher and alvin's butt ass naked and he said like it's it's so tired and it feels so lazy to me and like the cgi on the chipmunks doesn't even look good i i do it you know it's a product of its time i do believe that it does get better as the films go on and i actually um, think it gets worse as the films go on which is funny because they had more of a budget for each film each film that they went to increased the budget by $10 million. I believe that this one started at $60 million, the next one was 70 the one after that was 80 and then the last one was $90 million. Alvin and the Chipmunks The Road Chip is a $90 million movie, and it doesn't look like it at all. None of these movies look like they're million dollars. They look like they were made in fucking Studio Gimp or whatever, like the free version of photoshop like it, it's so piss poor i really do think that you're you're kind of being harsh on this and you're kind of losing sight of of what's in front of you here um in terms of talking about this first movie in of itself all right yeah you you know what you're right about us kind of losing track so let's talk about some of the things that happen um so in terms of the plot so it's just pretty standard it, it's just Dave, who's a loser, and he finds the chipmunks, they can sing, they become successful, and then it's just a standard, like, oh, fame can corrupt you, like, fame is, is can be too much for you, like, it's nothing, it's nothing too special, and, like, the plot of it gets in the way of us really, like, learning that much about the characters, like, all we learn about Dave is that he's a shitty songwriter and that he's lonely, like, he's not even a good songwriter because he got the inspiration for the Christmas song that he first makes with the chipmunks from them humming it in their sleep. Like he, he's super fucking lazy about it. And not only that, but the chipmunks, they basically already sing it when they first practice like, Oh cool. They already know the rhythm of it. They already know the notes that they need to hit. They already know the fucking lyrics. Like even though they haven't practiced it at all, just the, the logic and the characters are just so devoid of anything valuable. Like it's, it's, it just gets increasingly frustrating as it goes along. And not even to mention, David Cross, he barely looks like he's even trying in the movie. Like, both of them do. Like, David Cross is such a shit villain. You can tell that he just did this movie for money. And Jason Lee looks like he wants to kill himself in almost every single scene. The way he just plainly shouts, Alvin! Like I just did right now. It's like the same exact tone. But I did it in a mocking way, and he actually sounded like he was making fun of it. Like, there's no passion behind it. There's no passion behind any aspect of this movie. It was literally just a cash grab. I don't think that there was really any sort of artistic input or creative vision in this movie that's valuable in any way. Well, I think you're just plain wrong, and let me tell you why I'm wrong. I, I really do think that this is a fun movie. It's a colorful movie, first of all. Everything's in focus. Everything is vibrant. I do love the colors that they have, you know, the red, the blue, and the green. It's very uh, vibrant, and it helps you tell, too, like, wh which chipmunk you're focusing on. Because, I mean, when those little, little buggers were naked, 
I, I really couldn't tell them apart from sideways up, you know what I'm saying, from asshole to mouth hole. But once they got them clothes on, I was able to more easily identify with them characters. And it really helped open up their, those personalities to me and, and into my heart. I really do think that you're kind of trying to harsh on this movie's mellow. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just something that I think we're just going to have to keep working on as we get further into this episode together. But, um, I you know... I do want to kind of give my perspective. Yes, yeah, please go ahead. So, the way I look at it is obviously uh David Cross is one of the greatest actors of all time. I do think that uh his performances on stuff such as Mr. Show and uh whatever that fucking sitcom he was on with uh Jason Bateman, whatever that was, Arrest De- Developing the Arrested. That's I, I what it is. Um I think it's something else, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, so um David Cross, being such a talented young man, um, obviously he was on Mr. Show, a sketch comedy show he made with his friend Bob Odenkirk. And uh, Bob Odenkirk, he went on to do some schluck like, you know, Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad and, you know, Nobody, that action movie or whatever. I guess it was fine. But he kind of turned into a nobody. But David Cross... He became a household name with this movie. He was somebody who really took the reins of this and went all in and said, yes, he, you know, he was somebody that that saw the potential in this film and uh, really latched on to all different aspects of it from like the character to uh, the performance, everything he gave in this movie. I I really did believe and stand behind. So uh, honestly, like other than Theodore, David Cross might be my favorite character as uh, as Leon, uh, Leon. What what the fuck is his name? Ian Ian. That's right. Uh, yeah, I, I really do like him, and uh, you know Jason Lee's fine too. You know you don't really get much of him in the next film, but you know he's he serves his purpose. He's like the straight mayonnaise main character. He's just plain Jane. Exactly, he's plain Jane. He's somebody who's not really special at all, and we're supposed to care about him. We're supposed to care about the fact that he's lonely and that he isn't a good songwriter and that he has a hard time making it like he doesn't seem like he's that bad off but i mean oh well i guess he needs all the help he can get like they they dress him up as like kind of this schlub but he's like a nice looking schlub like he's a he's a professor that's always late to class or something like that like he's not they don't make him look like a complete loser. He's not like a neckbeard incel or anything. Now, see, I don't know what that word incel means, but I'm just going to take it to be of a negative connotation. Um, you know, Jason Jason Lee, they, they have to like, I think that's just for marketing purposes. Obviously, you can't have somebody who looks like a complete failure be on your screen because otherwise nobody's going to buy tickets to see your movie. Um, you know, if you dress him up in like a baseball hat, a cut-off flannel shirt and baggy blue jeans with a big old farmer's belt buckle and cowboy boots. Obviously, no one's going to want to see that some bitch. Nobody's going to want to see that motherfucking loser. So, I mean, why else would you want him to look a little bit nicer? I, I definitely see their perspective on this sort of thing. I mean, I guess, but... God, the, the chipmunks, too, they don't even help him at all because... They just completely ruin his house. They're totally inconsiderate. Like, obviously, they have manners and they know and are aware of the fact that they're making his house a complete and total mess the entire time he's gone. But 
I don't know. It just comes across as like super weird and like mean spirited. Like, okay, you guys are just being assholes now for the sake of being assholes. Well, kids, you know, it's a cartoon kind of. I mean, kids love kids love destruction. Kids love a mess. I mean, have you ever met a kid that doesn't love to make a mess? Doesn't love to, you know, take the chair, flip it upside down take the take the cat and stuff it in the dishwasher like it's it's one of those things and you know, it's just for goofs i guess you know i just i just have that kind of you know perspective on it but i mean to each your own if you don't really dig this movie i i don't know if it's for you but i mean we're definitely gonna mold you and work our way to you liking these films by the end of the episode so but the night's still young i guess yeah i guess um so to me the biggest thing with these movies is it just seems like they're peddling whatever song they get the rights to or whatever popular pop song is big at the time. And this definitely is the case for the later movies, which we'll talk about eventually. But I don't know. I The music isn't even good. Like even just the original soundtrack that's behind it, it just sounds like music you'd hear on HGTV. It's just so generic and lazy. Like, it, it just sounds like stock music. They couldn't have made anything that was original or, you know, nicely composed. I mean, geez, it's like it's a musical movie. You would think that it being a musical movie, it would have something along those lines. Well, I'll tell you what, I do I do love it when them little buggers get up to singing them Christmas songs. When they, when they open the movie and they're singing they Have a Bad Day, you're taking one down, you sing a sad song, just turn it around. I thought that was pretty cute. I thought that that was a strong opening sequence for me. It's very memorable in the way that it is with them little buggers naked and I can't tell who's who. But by golly, their singing is just fantastical. And then when uh, when they're singing on the stump to get out and from the rain, uh, it's, it's just even more so just hammering home that, that sentimentality of what they're trying to get across, which is like family, faith, God, and friends. That's... That's really what I took from it. And then, like, even the pop songs, too, even the sacrilegious uh, secular stuff that they sing, I, I do believe that it's it's something that's entertaining, at least. You know, teeny boppers can get in there, and they can go, woo-hoo, they can, they can get, all, get all up and up with that, you know? I, I don't know. I really don't. I don't know if I understood what you just conveyed to me. Like, it's, it's really hard for me to try to understand what it was you just said to me well i'm just saying it's it's fun it's it's just a fun movie kyle i mean what more do you want from it it's it's just fun i like it i don't understand why you're not really grabbing on it but like i said we'll work on it okay that's if you say so, I just want to take a look through my notes real quick just to see if there's anything I missed before we before we wrap this this one up. Uh, there's a lot of times where I said, this is cringe, this is cringe. Oh, so there's a line where David Cross says that, oh, we can make a lot of merch from this. You know, we can make sporting equipment, we can make toys, we can make a fur line, which, you know, obviously is supposed to be tongue-in-cheek based on the fact that they're animals with fur. Which I was like, okay, that's fucking weird. 
And then what's even weirder is there's a scene where David Cross kisses Alvin on the mouth. Like, he just fucking just tongues him for a second like it's fucking weird i don't i don't know about that i, I think i i think i blinked too long when i when that scene came up because i really don't remember what you're talking about how many times have you seen this movie i'd say about like f- at least 40 so you've seen this movie 40 times and you don't remember the scene where david cross kisses alvin on the lips no not not, not really i mean I, it's i you know if i do i do have to say Usually when I watch these movies, I have a big old bucket of fried chicken in front of me, and then when I when I get done consuming the chicken, which is usually like only about 10 minutes into the running time, I think about at the point where that scene would be, I'd have to rush to the bathroom because I have to, you know, got a brown snake playing peekaboo with my butt crack, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I, I don't even have time to pause it usually because, I mean, the stomach's rumbling they're coming I, I just know i gotta make it and i don't even have time to pause so I, I usually my pants are even off before i leave the couch that's just how desperate it is just in case you know i don't make it so that that way it doesn't get on my shorts i mean it does get on the floor get on the carpet sometimes but um it, it's, just, it's just something that i gotta deal with that you know it's easier to do than another load of laundry which i mean god i hate doing laundry i even hate taking showers honestly but you know it uh what what were we talking about again um oh yeah where he kisses him on the face yeah i don't know i'd have to i'd have to like fast forward or rewind or something i i can't i can't really be bothered to remember that scene right now i mean i guess good good for you for not seeing that scene because it was is really fucking weird um just like some lines where they say like holy nuts um the line with like the fur clothing the scene where he's got the doll and Alvin speaking French in it or whatever, or like he's speaking Spanish. Like it's, it's just weird. And then at the end when they're at the concert and their voices are so sore, so they have to lip sync and then the crowd finds out that they're lip syncing and then they instantly boo. Like people have been lip syncing in, in music for so long. Like it's, it's not even that big of a deal yet. All of a sudden, like this movie just acts like it's the worst thing ever. It's like the closest thing to a war crime that these movies can ever commit. Yeah. Well, I, you know, that's, that's just something that it's kind of of the time 2007, this movie came out. And I mean, you got to think of back to the days of American Idol when, uh, being authentic was, you know, that was the thing. People wanted real. People wanted actual performances. I mean, I, I you know, I've been tempted to limp sync my comedy stand up from time to time, but I, you know, I've never gone done through with it because I, I do believe. Uh, uh, excuse me. I do believe that it is, um, it is something that you really shouldn't delve into because it might become a habit. It might become something that you can't break from, and then. All of a sudden, you find out that you're you're at the tail end of a burp, as I just did, and uh, you know everybody's looking at you laugh. So you don't want to be burping while you're laughing, is is what I'm saying. Get her done. I I think I understood what you said there, but you know I think I think we can kind of move on. Was there anything else you want to talk about with this first one? Um, we kind of have to cover three more movies, so it's it's a little bit of a time concern at this point uh no and and you know again like i said it's it's something that we can work through as we get along you know we can kind of get on with this and we can make it our own uh make you into something special that will appreciate these movies for what they are which is the high art that i view them as but 
no anyway I, I think i'm all good i think i'm all set um you do usually do like the rating thing like um you give it a number or whatever what number would you give this movie this is a one out of ten honestly this is this is one of the worst kids movies i think i've seen definitely one of the worst movies i've oh, seen oh really oh wow oh okay yeah yeah it's it's really not good and I, if this being the first entry in in the series of four films i i just had to take a deep sigh and prepare myself for what was going to come next so that's that's my rating one out of ten i what would you give it oh man obviously it being the first one um i, I do have a little bit of a bias i will admit um, it's very rare that sequels ever live up to the legacy that is set to them by the first one. And uh, I think this is definitely one of those cases again. Um, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't my favorite. But, I mean, they're all kind of my favorite. So, I guess uh, I guess that's kind of a redundant statement there. Um, yeah, no. This is a solid 10 out of 10 for me. Um, I just love the characters. I love... The way they sing, I love their little voices. Their cute little squeaky little voices, little high pitched, squeaky squealing little boys. Uh, Matthew Greg Gubbler, I think he's got a good voice. Jesse McCartney, he's cute as a little fat one. And Justin Long, I don't think I've seen him in anything since Accepted, but I mean, shit, I think he's good in this. So um, yeah, I, I really like the whole the whole feel of it, the whole look of it. It just is so colorful. I love I love how. I love how they jump around sometimes. It's really cute, really fun. And uh, I really don't think I can say much more about this one before I can get into uh, the squeakle. That's right. We've got the squeakle to talk about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was our Alvin the Chipmunks. Uh, what better way to introduce the next film than to talk about the second in the series, which is Alvin and the Chipmunks, the squeakle. And um, since I gave the summary of the last one, I can let you take this one, Larry. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you kindly very much. Um, I will be glad to take this one. Uh, this one does have a special place in my... I would, for God's sake, they all do. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding anybody. Um, so this is Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakwool. Uh, this one has a lot of the same cast from the first movie, uh, including... The Chipettes, which are voiced by Amy Poehler, Anna Ferris, and Christina Applegate. Um, three lovely ladies, um, none of whom I've had the pleasure of meeting. I did email Christina Applegate a few dozen a handful of times, and she never replied. But um, kind of the same as uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger from Jingle All the Way. Kind of the same dealio. But anyway, um, this film follows the characters Alvin, Simon, and Theodore as they, they have to go to high school. Dave is laid up, and he's being watched by Zachary Levi, who's Toby. He plays Toby Seville, who's... I think Dave's cousin or something. I don't fucking remember. And uh, Dave is laid up, so Jason Lee isn't in this movie as much because he was making My Name is Earl. And, you know, they replace him well enough, so it's fine, usually. But Alvin, Simon, Theodore, they go to high school. They have to encounter bullies and girls and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, they come across the chip bats who are also going to that same high school. And they find out that there's a singing competition 
if shit. Well, really, it's not that much of a standing yeah, competition because the only two people competing are Alvin's group and the Chipettes. So it's really just like a duel, if you if you will, a duel of singing, a duel of performances, a battle of the band, so to speak. Except there's only two bands. But it, yeah, it, you know, in my opinion, opinion sheriff, this is a riveting yeah. sequel. Uh, I think it's as it's good uh, as you can get uh, for a sequel to uh, uh, a hit movie um, a whole shit ton of money. And that's the thing, too. You can tell these movies are good because they make a lot of money. And I really do think that this one definitely lives up to its original. So, Kyle, obviously you said a lot of nonsense in our last discussion. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know if I'd call it nonsense. It's just kind of how I felt about the movie. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was on the verge of being gobbledygook. I will say. Um, so, uh, Kyle, I, I I I'm almost afraid to ask of your opinion of this one because I know you reamed the first one so much. But who knows? Maybe you'll see the light with uh, with their cute little antics in the high school. Maybe maybe something that uh, was in there will will uh, will definitely uh, pique your interest. Uh, in this one, so uh, tell tell us about uh, what you think of Alvin and the Chipmunks to Squeakwell. Well, I I definitely think it's pretty bad. Like it's still as bad as the first one. I think. Oh really? Uh, you didn't like this one either? No, I I really didn't. And I think it's it's not any better. It's not any worse because of the fact that Jason Lee is barely in this movie. I think it's like it's literally just as bad. I, these movies. It really doesn't make a difference whether or not Dave is in them. Dave is not much of a contributing factor, in my opinion, of these films because he's just such a nothing character. Like he—he's literally there to just serve as like the father figure to them and to yell at them, and then also have his house trashed. Like he really doesn't have a character, so it just kind of is almost fitting that he's not in this movie because it really doesn't make a difference. You could replace him with anybody and it doesn't matter. Well, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I do I do think it's kind of refreshing that we get a new character to take his place, um, played by Zachary Levi, the character of Toby. What, what did you think of him? I, I personally like the little filler. He's, he was cool in, uh, in that Chuck Bartowski show, and I also like him in Shazam, although I guess... I guess he said some stuff on Twitter, but I mean, I you know, I kind of agree with him, I guess. I don't know. I haven't really read it. Yeah, no, it just it seemed like they were having him act like someone who just got done with high school and was in his party burnout phase. But it's Zachary Levi in this movie, and he looks like he's in his mid-30s already, which, I mean, maybe that was what they were going for. But I don't know. It just seemed really off-putting for a character like that to not have many responsibilities and they just have him played by Zachary Levi. Like, I don't know. It just seems really weird. And he's acting drunk the entire movie the whole time, it feels like. It, it doesn't even seem like he's acting that well in it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see where you're coming from. Uh, You know, I guess that's just a different lens that you have. I don't really agree. But, you know, we can we can agree to disagree on, on that kind of thing. Yeah, sure, that's fine. But, I mean, there's so much about this movie, too, that just doesn't work. The chipettes, like... I don't know about you, but to me, it felt like they were weirdly sexualized. Like, the movie puts them in these weird skimpy outfits. They have them kind of dance really seductively. Like, that's, I don't know, that's a little weird to me. What would you think of that? You have to acknowledge that that's a little weird at least, right? 
Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I think the goal of what they were doing with the chipettes was just, you know, they're they're feminine power, you know. And I, you know me, I'm not really much of a feminist myself, but you know, the saying that word just kind of puts dirt in my mouth. But I mean, you take this movie, you take these chipmunks, and it's like, okay, we're gonna make them empowered. We're gonna make them, we're gonna make them pop out to you on screen. And I mean, maybe it's empowering not only the women who may be watching this movie, but also maybe the uh, the, the online community that likes to dress up as animals and go to like Comic Con conventions or something like that. Well, they're called like what fuzzies or something, uh, something like that. Are you talking about furries? Yeah, you know, it, furries. That's it. Yeah, I've, I mean, I haven't looked up any of that stuff online at all before in my life. I swear to God, you bring a Bible in front of me, I put my right hand on it and say that I've never done that sort of thing. But I mean. You know, it's, it just seems like something that maybe the movie was kind of catering to. And I mean, I think if you include all sorts of demographics in your movie, even though I don't like all demographics, I think that, uh, you know, you're going to you're gonna cast a wide net. You're going to get a lot of people to really like your movie. And I think that's a good quality about it. I mean, sure, it's that whole thing is subjective, I guess, in a way. But I mean, it, it, I don't know if it's really an indication of the movie being good or not. It's just something that the movie does in order to gain more people to view it. And I don't even know if I agree with really what you're saying there. It's just, it seems like such a weird choice for a kid's movie to have these chipettes all scantily dressed and, you know, being paraded around by David Cross's character, the villain of the movie. You know, it's it just seems weird to me. And even though he's the villain and that's kind of like his whole point, I don't know, it just, it rubs me the wrong way. I don't know if I like it. Well, to each their own, I guess. So, well... Uh, so what what did you think about the whole like battle of the band sense between the between the chipmunks and the chipettes? You know, it, it's kind of a major showdown. It's not it's not like anything we got in the previous movie really. The the chipmunks haven't really been contested all that much, so it was really exciting for me to see. I was running out of breath. It was so exciting. I mean, it would have been I guess a little better if they had more of a variety. It's literally just the chipmunks and the chipettes in that competition. So. It's not like a battle of the bands thing at all because it's two bands. Like it's, they don't even have other bands playing in it. it. Like it's, I don't know. It just it feels so stupid and and hollow and empty. And I think that's a big through line throughout all of these films is that they just feel stupid, hollow, and empty. That's really that's what the tagline of these movies should be. I mean, my God. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't argue with you there because uh, it's your opinion, even though I don't agree with your opinion. But I mean. Shit. Uh, okay, let's let's move on to this uh, thought. Yeah, I I really like the um the kind of conflict in this movie between Alvin and Simon. You know, they're the two like older brother characters. You know, we really didn't get much. 
in the way of characterization of them in the first movie beyond what the first movie script called for. You know, I think it's really nuanced that way. And um, in this movie, you really get to get a little more fleshed out view of how those two operate within the dynamic of their own little trio there. And, uh, you know, directly amongst themselves, of course. I really do like the conflict that they put in here between Simon, who's, you know, he's doing his best. He's doing his Simon thing. He's trying not to get the kids to litter. And uh, Alvin's not really, he's not really about that. He's too cool for school. You know what I mean? He's hanging out with the jock, the cool kids. Uh, the popular girls, they're all hitting on them. They all want to they all want a little bit of that chipmunk action, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, I'm glad you brought that up because that was super weird, too. Like, they go to high school and all the girls act like they just want to fuck Alvin. Like, that's, that's so weird to me. Like, they're literally chipmunks. Like, you shouldn't be turned on by a chipmunk. It is a kid's movie. You shouldn't be turned on at all by anything in this. Like, it's so weird to me. Like, it's so out of place and inappropriate. But, I mean... Continue. Go on with anyway. Yeah, yeah. We we, we'll touch back on that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It depends on how I'm feeling. But like I was saying, I really do like their relationship, Simon and uh, the red one, Alvin. I really do like uh, how their dynamic plays out in this movie. I mean, what did you think of it? I I thought it was stupid. I thought it was bad. That like. I don't know. Maybe it would have been good if it felt like it was properly earned or fully developed. But I mean, the whole conflict stems from Alvin choosing to hang out with the cool kids and then the cool kids bullying Simon. It's like, okay, whatever. That's something that we've seen in a hundred kids movies a thousand times. Like, it's nothing new. It's nothing fresh. It's a concept that's been tried and true. Like, whatever. I really don't care about that. What I do care about is the fact that they just wrap it up so quickly and so cleanly. So the whole time, Simon's pissed off at Alvin because he's ignoring him. They're ignoring, like, rehearsals or whatever. He Like, Alvin doesn't show up because he's playing football, right? And then Simon's pissed at him, and he's like... Or whatever the fuck he says. And then all of a sudden Theodore gets in danger and then the two are cool again. Like it's, it's literally the next scene. Like they, they don't even give them proper time to have a falling out. Like it doesn't feel earned. It doesn't feel like it means anything. Nothing in these movies feel like they mean anything. Like there's no consequences. There's no stakes. Not that a chipmunk kids movie needs to have high world ending stakes or anything, but shit. I mean, at least throw some nuance in there every once in a while. Throw something in there that's not so fucking obvious and in your face about it. Like, Jesus. I, I would I would ask you kindly uh, not to take the Lord's name in vain. Uh, Lord heaven above, please forgive Kyle for his sin of taking your name in vain. Uh, in Jesus, Jesus Christ's precious name, amen. Yeah, thank you, I guess. Um, so, yeah, no, I thought that was dumb. I thought that was bad. And uh, they they just make these dumb choices in this movie that I don't know it. It's hard for me to say because I don't remember a whole lot from it. I've tried to block this out from my my subconscious, my inner being. So it's it's really hard for me to really comment on this movie without just me going into a full on rant like I just did. No, no, I understand. Can I can I give you some of my perspective on it? Yeah. So you're the director, right? You're thinking, oh, oh shoot, I gotta, I gotta make this chipmunk movie. It's a sequel to, it's the squeakquel, I should say, <laughs> to one of the uh, highest-grossing kids movies of all time, uh, if I do say so myself, and I think that uh, the box office websites will agree with me. 
Uh, was, you, you got a lot of pressure on you. You got a lot on your back riding on this franchise, you know. You got you to gotta really buckle down and get, get into the nitty-gritty of it, the goopy-goppy, you know what I'm saying? And so you got to look at it and think, okay, first movie, what did we touch on? We, re- we touched on the, the chipmunks as a three. Well, what if we touch on the chipmunks as a two, you know? They're they're not they're not going they're not taking a step back they're taking a step sideways they're looking at it from a different perspective and a different angle and kind of going at it in a way that hasn't been thought of before and they're they're really looking at the nuances of Simon and Alvin's relationship and when you do that sometimes it gets a little too powerful you got to wrap it up quickly otherwise the movie's gonna be too damn uh, you know solar it's gonna be too fucking hot you know what I'm saying I mean pardon my French but. Damn, Jesus, man! I, I listen. I know this movie ain't for everybody, but man, you're you're kind of being a sour sour push on this, you know. I I really do think that there's got to be something in there that you you liked or, or enjoyed about this film, or something that you found funny or or anything. Any scene that I found funny in this movie was just unintentional on the movie's part, like. Just the absurd nature of it. I mean, yeah, I guess. But what what do you mean exactly? Like, the fact that Jason Lee and the, I think, what is it? The old lady ant character at the beginning. They just get injured because of the things that the chipmunks do. Like, these chipmunks are menaces to society. They like they need to be locked up or put away in, like, a, a vet prison or something. Like, they, they, they just need to not interact with people because every time they do it it causes chaos it like destroys their lives in ways like it causes them to go to the hospital i mean jason lee is in the hospital this entire movie because of something that the chipmunks did like it's so i don't know it's so weird to me that a kid's movie does something like that you know yeah i guess so what what else did you have in your notes there just just some like weird reference stuff that they make. So there's a reference. I forget who makes it, but uh, in someone, I think it was Alvin. He quotes, "In the words of the Donald, you're fired." Like it's a weird Donald Trump reference. Like I get that this movie came out in 2009 before he was like a really big figure in in mainstream and politics and whatever. But I don't know. It just comes across as really. A really odd reference and then they reference taxi driver an r-rated martin scorsese movie that came out in 1975 you talking to me like it it, it just comes across as like really kind of tone deaf uh i thought i smelled a rat there, there's just all these things like they reference silence of the lambs some farva beans and a nice chianti like i'm pretty sure alvin says that stuff too like it's they make references to movies that are just... I, it just makes no sense for them to be connected. Like, what kid is going to understand Silence of the Lambs and, the, like, the references that that would make? Like, what kid's going to enjoy that? <laughs> like, if I was a kid and I was watching this movie and I heard Alvin say, Some five opinions on a nice counter. Like, it just wouldn't... It wouldn't register to me. It wouldn't matter. I wouldn't care. Like, that that that's just means nothing to me. I'd be like, Well, what, what did he mean? Like... I don't know. It's just frustrating. I'm trying to watch these movies from a kid's perspective also. And I'm trying to think of things that they could get out of it that they'd enjoy. And the only thing I can think of is the singing and the colorful images. And that's that's it. And I don't as an adult, I don't enjoy the singing. And these movies just look so bland as hell. Like other than their shirts, like there's nothing really super 
colorful or eye-catching about it. Like it doesn't even have a style. It looks like it's a looks like it's a f- fucking Hallmark movie or something. Like damn, like it, it's I don't know, it's kind of infuriating. And because of that, maybe I like this movie a little bit less than the first one. I don't know, spoilers on my thoughts, I guess, but I, it's just not I'm not connecting with it at all. I'm not connecting with any of these movies. I mean, I'm I'm trying to figure out what it is you like about them. Well, I'll tell you, it's it's you know, it's the fun of it. It's really just the kind of joy that I get from watching these little critters run around, singing these songs, and having a good old merry time. I think it's it's something that you just don't connect with, and I get it. I get it. I like seeing your perspective on it. I mean, hell, that's why I came on this show just so I could understand another person's point of view with the greatest quadrilogy of all time, Alvin and the Chipmunks, live-action film. But, uh, you know, it's it's something that I also have to think about, too, in terms of myself. I mean, shoot, I love these movies, and I'm not ashamed to say that I love these movies. However, you being on here, bashing them like you are... I don't know, man. It's kind of it's kind of killing my buzz a bit, and I'm I'm not trying to say that to be a downer, but I'm just saying it because it's you know it's a fact. It's how I feel. It's really just kind of a knife in my heart, honestly. Like hearing your other opinion about a movie that I like is not something that I really I'm I'm not down with it. You know, I'm I'm not really connecting with that, and not nearly as much as I connect with these films. You know, so it, it's just something. It's just something that I gotta. I got to deal with, I guess, you know, being on this here program, which I am thankful for, by the way. Um, but, yeah, it's, that's just how I feel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not really much else we can say about this movie specifically that we haven't already kind of talked about. I have the same sort of gripes with this as I do the previous one. It's, yeah, it, it's just a kind of dumb family kids, like, high school movie comedy sort of thing but just with alvin the chipmunks for some reason i don't know man it just it just feels like they're just capitalizing off the success of the first one which i mean i guess i don't blame them necessarily because they make so much money i guess that's a genuine good thing i can say about these movies is that they make a lot of money they do make a lot of money kids kids love those little critters with those high squeaky voices why do you why do you think the minions are so popular right they're there's something that resonate with little kids because little kids are tiny, they're squeaky, they're annoying, they're smelly, they're ugly, they're disgusting, they're ravenous, they're There's just all sorts of dirty adjectives that you can associate with young children and the same that you can associate with these little critters. Now, the difference is these little critters, you can shut them off whenever you want to, you know. I'm sure you were doing it earlier than I did, you know, because I love watching them, but... You know, it just it's just something that I think resonates with children. Um, and it sure does resonate with me. Well, I, I can definitely tell that it resonates with you. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that you got that. I'm glad that you get something out of it because, man, I struggle. I really do. But uh, we can, we can kind of wrap this up. I'm not really feeling like talking about this one as much. So um, you can go first on your rating since uh, oh. I went first on mine last time. Oh really? Okay. Um. All right. Uh. So this one, uh, it's not much difference in the way of how I feel compared to the first one. This is something that I, you know, I just love a good old high school kind of trying to fit in sort of tale and uh, <laughs> yeah, pun intended with tale because they're chipmunks, you know. <laughs> 
I'm surprised they didn't try to work that into one of the sequels or the squeakquels, you know what I mean? So, um, I just, I, you know, it's it's not too different. I think I give this one a solid uh, 10 out of 10. You know, it's not, not anything surprising to me or to you, I think, anyway. I mean, maybe you're still surprised that I really enjoy these movies. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I really do love it. I, I, and I can't get enough of those chip ads. I mean, they're so cute. I love Christina Applegate. If she would only email me back, that would just be the icing on the damn squeak will cake, you know? So, um, yeah, there you have it. 10 out of 10. What about you? Yeah, no, this is, this is another solid one out of 10, like nowhere near two. It's just super bottom of the barrel. Like if I could give it a zero, I would, but you know, I feel like giving it that one is just way more of an insult to the movie, and that's kind of what I want to get across with this. So, oh, hold on, Megan's calling me. Hello. Hey. What hey. You doing? So uh, I'm I'm recording a special episode with with uh, Larry the Cable Guy. Hey there, Megan. How's it going? I- oh. Uh, you know, it's so great to be on this show right now. Um, Kyle's been such a gracious host, and uh, we're, we're just talking about some, some classic movies, but I don't think I can really spill the beans on that quite yet. But, uh, you know, I'm having I'm having a grand old time, you know. Just... Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Can't wait to hear the episode. Yeah, yeah. Larry's Larry's been uh, excitedly talking about these movies uh, quite a bit, so, Aww. yeah. I mean, sadly, Mac's not here. He couldn't make it, but, uh, you know, yeah. Larry's kind of sitting in his chair, just sort of, you know, filling that space, contributing to that yeah. conversation, and I'm very thankful for yeah. it. Yeah, so. Oh, you sound like a professional. Well, I mean, I, I'm in the presence of a celebrity, so I, I have to uh, at least keep up appearances, you know. Yeah, he's doing a fine job of it. I think that... Uh, you know your your boys your boys doing as well as he can. You know he's a little sweaty, a little smelly. I can smell him from here. But uh, this is this is something that I've just had an absolute pre- pleasure being a part of. Well, I am so glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. He's he's having fun. I think he's having fun anyway. I don't know. His get her done hat says that he's he's having fun. So yeah. She seems like a nice girl. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's nice. Uh, I don't know how she puts up with me sometimes, but, you know, it's it's something that I'm thankful for. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that you're thankful for that. Um, you you want to know what I'm thankful for? Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwreck. Yeehaw! Get her yep. done! Yep, that's... I knew that was coming. I knew that was on the horizon. So I guess I will uh, pull up information about this and we'll talk about Alvin and the Chipmunks Shipwrecked, which is the third in the series. Wasn't on Disney Plus. It was the only one that wasn't on Disney Plus. I had to find other avenues to watch it. Really? Now, see, that's that's a shame. That's a damn shame. I own all the Blu-rays for them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of it, it's just more of a convenience thing. You know, for me, owning Blu-rays, owning physical media, I like being able to see and hold what I what I'm able to watch. You know, yeah. I mean, that's something that I think I can agree with you too. Is that I prefer physical media typically over something that would be digital. There's just some things that you can't get a hold of physically, at least through legal means. You know, so you gotta you gotta go through 
different avenues of that but typically i also like owning physical media too okay so alvin and the chipmunks shipwrecked is a uh, the third in this fabled quadrilogy it is uh directed by mike mitchell which i don't think had anything to do with the other two movies i mean i don't know if he did or not um and all the same characters are back and they're all on a, a cruise ship and they get the bright idea while dave is sleeping to try to fly a kite and because they're chipmunks they fly away on the kite and they end up on a deserted island. And then meanwhile, uh, Jason Lee Dave, um, has to go rescue them. And he includes some unexpected help along the way. So, and the unexpected help being, uh, yeah, the unexpected help being uh, David Cross's Ian, the villain of the last two movies. Yeah, yeah. Ian ends up helping Dave along the way, which is, it's an interesting choice. It's a weird, it's a weird one. Let me look up my notes about uh shipwreck ship so okay here we go so by this movie it's very clear that <laughs> jason lee's kind of he's starting to look rough he's starting to look a little weathered i i'll be either just from aging or just his involvement with these chipmunk movies because i mean they're not too far apart in years i mean this one came out in 2011 so two years after the other one and it looks like Jason Lee aged about 10 years between both movies. Like, I don't know, man. I think something about these movies has an effect on <laughs> the people in them and how they age. Like, the more they're in them, the the less soul that they have, the less kind of heart that it feels like they have. I mean, maybe when you're an actor and you're kind of in the midst of it, it's not uncommon for a part of you to be given to the project, to be given to the piece of art, to be kind of... to be served to the greater purpose of of the motion picture so to speak so i'm not surprised that he kind of looks a little rough around the edges in this one um because to me it just it's him giving more of himself uh to the project of alvin and the chipmunks chipwrecked you know giving it his all so to speak i mean i guess it just looks like he's given up it looks like that's the the only thing i can say that he's given is up is because he looks he looks like he needs a nap a week-long nap by the time that this movie rolls around and i mean oh my god this movie so this one feels like it has the higher stakes out of all the movies too like they go to the island and they're trying to survive so already it's higher stakes because they're in a different location and they're lost and they have to escape towards the end of the movie from an active volcano and then meanwhile there's this girl that's on the island named zoe she is like a villainous character and she's trying to get this treasure that's trapped in this waterfall area and she can only reach it by sending chipmunks down to get them back up but then she like is a villain but then by the end of it she's she's okay like they let her they let her like back on the team to like save her or whatever like, I don't know. Like, when you find out that she's a villain, it's just very kind of a all-of-a-sudden thing. Like, she just starts laughing maniacally. Like, <laughs> like it, I don't know. It was just super cringy to me. But, I mean, am I really surprised that this movie has cringe in it because this whole movie series is cringe? Now, I don't know point. if I'd... Again, you're using the C word on me, which, uh, you know, it, it, it's not something that I agree with necessarily. But, I mean... I mean, I, I kind of will concede that this is maybe perhaps the weakest entry out of 
out of the four films. Oh, really? Um, there's there's something about this movie that you don't like. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's kind of something that I I really do not like uh, men in big old animal costumes. So uh, that I kind of have a phobia of that. It all started when. It all stemmed from the fact of when I was a little baby, uh, when I was a wee little toddler, and uh, my mama took me to Chuck E. Cheese, and then uh, I, because I was a little round, little round bugger, um, I was a little too big uh, for some of the some of the attractions, some of the activities in said Chuck E. Cheese, and one of them was um, one of them was the tube slide. You know, it's a slide. It's an indoor slide. You go down it. It's a tube shape, and it leads into a ball pit. Well, I tried to go down it and I got stuck because I was I was kind of a little chunker. I was a little chubby wubby, and uh, because I got stuck, everybody started looking for a, where's little Larry. You know, where's where's little La- where's little Lawrence? They you know, they would say, and uh, I I started hearing the muffled cries of my parents and my my brothers and my sisters on the other side, and uh, I was like, I'm in here. I'm trapped. Help me! And so. Um, you know, I'm stuck in there, and all of a sudden I see uh, down because you know the, the where I'm stuck in the tube, it kind of goes down and into a corner, so I can't really see the end of it. Like I, I'm just trapped in this like glowing orange kind of kind of plastic vessel sort of thing, and then all of a sudden I see these uh, these paws reach up, and I say paws because they're very clearly um, Chuck E. Cheese's paws. It's the mascot paws. That was trying to, they were reaching up and trying to grab me, and I was like, oh, what is this? And I started getting a fright. And uh, all of a sudden, it wasn't just Chuck E. Cheese's paws that were coming up. I, there was another set of paws, uh, maybe like one of the other mascots. And then before I knew it, there were four sets of paws, so eight paws total, trying to reach up and trying to grab me, trying to touch me, trying to, I don't know what they were doing. I mean, maybe they were going to help me, but it, it really did seem. Because of like the echoes that the sounds of the people in the mascot costumes made and the glow of the orange of the plastic and the echo of, of my heartbeat just trapped and terrified in that sort of environment, it, it kind of seemed like an image of hell trying to drag me down into the depths of the fiery inferno to me. So uh, I just I, I, I got scared and I, I tried climbing up and it was so slippery that I, I could barely do it. But, I, you know, in that sense of adrenaline, in that moment of fear... You really don't have time to think about the implications of, of being dragged to hell by these mascot creatures at Chuck E. Cheese. So I, I made it all the way to the top finally, but I was so scared that I ended up shitting my pants. The thing is, I was wearing shorts, and because I had shit, it had gone through my shorts and down into where the mascots were. And so they got, I think it actually hit one of them in the face because they were starting to crawl up trying to get to me. And uh, I think it, I think it hit Chuck E. Cheese right in the face. And so when I climbed back down, Chuck E. Cheese, in a fit of rage, started throwing chairs everywhere because I shit in his face. And so uh, my parents had to come quickly to sweep me out of there. They had to, they had to swoop down and, and catch me and, and try to 
They, they, they booked it to the parking lot, man. It was insane. And then all of a sudden, I look back at Chuck E. Cheese with a shit-stained face. Starts chasing after me. And uh, the, the devil in his eyes, the kind of soulless pupils that I saw on that mascot's face was something that I will never forget and will never, ever scrub from my subconscious memory. So um, I, seeing Dave, seeing uh, Dave Cross... Uh, Ian, the character in that big bird costume, really threw me for a loop. I, it took me to some dark places that I did not want to go and brought back some memories that I did not want to remember. So, uh, just, you know, something like that. It's just a small little thing, but, it, you know, it did kind of did kind of sour a little bit of the experience for me, but, I mean, it's not too bad, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I mean... I guess if you had that traumatic of an experience, that would have a negative impact on you if you were to have a similar thought pop up while watching a movie because of the movie. So, I mean, that makes that makes total sense to me why uh, you don't want those types of memories being trudged up again. Dang. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean... Uh, should we move on? Yeah, yeah, let's move on to something else about the movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. There's not too much about this I remember. I remember Alvin rapping at the beginning. That was super cringe. Um, I wrote, Alvin rapping is cringe. This is cringe. Uh, cringe James Bond joke. There's a lot more cringe in this movie, it feels like, than maybe the previous movies. But maybe that's just because I wrote so many notes down of just how cringy all this stuff is. What do you think about the moment when Simon hits his head and he starts becoming a different person? Like, what does he call himself? It's Simone. He starts calling himself Simone instead of Simon because he's he like takes on this French accent, but he's dressed as Rambo. Like, what was that all about? Like, he he he's French, but he's dressed like Sylvester Stallone in Rambo. Like, that was kind of weird, wasn't it? I mean, I guess I did, you know. To me, it it was kind of a goofy little turn of events. It's a, it's a, it's like a Ryan Johnson, you know, subverting your expectations. Um, you just named a director. Yeah, I thought you, I thought you really didn't know that many directors. Well, I mean, I, you know, I kind of let off that I don't know that many, and then I, I, I subvert your expectations that way, much like Ryan Johnson, and much like Simon uh, in this movie does, where you think that he's going to be kind of the brainiac sort of thing, you know, kind of the meek, mild-mannered type of character that we're, we're familiar with and used to, and then he gets his head, and then you get hit with the, oh, I'm Simone, I'm, I've got a French accent, and I've got muscles, and I'm dressed like Rambo. And it's one of those things where, like, oh, wow, this is new, fresh territory. That's the thing I really admire about these movies is that they go into new, fresh territory every single time. There's nothing stale about them, at least to me anyway. It's all just kind of this new sort of ground that they're covering. And I do agree, this one does have the more stakes, which is why, you know, it's it's definitely one of those that is at least more memorable, even if I don't like it because of the mascot thing, but... Yeah. it's something that resonates with me still. I, I really do still love this movie. And uh, yeah, for that, just for that subverting expectations, it's just, it's at another level for me. I mean, yeah, I, I guess maybe it subverts expectations for you, but uh, it's super cliche to me. Um, yeah, I just wrote Simon going Rambo. Uh, <laughs> the moment that Dave and Ian are looking for the chipmunks in the woods 
it, it's just like this sad moment where like this music is playing and Alvin's all sad and then it cuts back to Dave and he's like where are you Alvin and it just came across as so goofy to me I don't know <laughs> and then the whole like Dave and Ian bromance thing throughout the film like that was weird and then yeah just Simon going back to him like he's he just super horny all of a sudden when he's in his Simone mode like he's kissing the other chipmunk so let me ask you a question Larry because I'm curious about your thoughts on this and yeah shoot go for it okay so these movies once the chipettes are introduced they're kind of mirror images of the chipmunks right the like alvin simon and theodore like there it seems like they have a counterpart for each of them right you've got the normal kind of crazy one you've got the tall nerdy one and then you've got the short dumb fat one and that's the same case with both the girls and the boys in these movies right yeah yeah that's that's definitely it yeah so after the events of the second movie the chipettes are living with dave alongside of the chipmunks in the same room even yeah yeah they are you know they are so are they romantic interests then or are they like siblings because sometimes they act like they're siblings and then sometimes they act like they're in a romantic relationship with them like it's it's super kind of confusing and weird and off-putting like i don't understand why they had to (laughs) why they had to have them like live with them if they want them to be like romantic interests like I don't know. To me, it just seems like, oh, now now you guys are siblings, I guess. Maybe step-siblings. It's just got a weird energy to it. Yeah, it's kind of one of those nuanced things that they include in the film where they're like, oh, you know, uh, what what are they? Are they? Will they, won't they type of deal that you see in all sorts of TV and movies? It's just one of those things that like classic films include. So obviously to make this one a classic, you got to put that sort of thing in there. And uh, I I really do think it makes it layered, kind of like Shrek, kind of like Ogres and Onions. They got layers to them. You know, these movies, I think they do have layers. And uh, I I think that it's just a wonderful kind of uh, sort of mystery. Maybe not mystery, but it gives you something to think about, chew on, spit out at the end of the day about uh this this wonderful movie and uh yeah i i could dig it i could definitely dig something like that yeah i mean shit what about towards the end of the movie when they're trying to run away from the volcano and zoe who's like a villainous figure at this point sees dave hanging off of a cliff and he could totally just fall and die and she's standing over him struggling like do i let him up or do i let him die and it's it's weirdly kind of I don't know, ominous for a kid's movie. Like it, uh, uh, it's just weird. It's just so weird to include that type of thing. I don't know what they were going for, but I don't know, man. It just seemed kind of off to me. Well, again, you get that sort of moral implication with the bigger stakes of this film. And really, I mean, this movie is on a deeper level of understanding. Uh, like I said, with the layers earlier, it's trying to get inside the mind of Alvin and the chipmunks. And so, when, you, when you're going about that on a deeper level, you kind of have to look at it as if it was a, a critically... It was a movie that made you think about it critically, you know? Like like Blade Runner 2049, the implications of uh, uh, androids and humans and what it means to be human. 
And so you got to think of it in in the same lens as this movie where you look at it and you go, okay, what is good? What is evil? Is this justified? Is it not? Should I save Dave? Should I not save Dave? Uh, should Should I become French Rambo or should I not become French Rambo? Uh, should I get out of the slide that I'm stuck in or should I should I let go and, and descend into a fiery pit of mascot hell while I'm trying not to shit myself like it's 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 one of those things where it gives you a lot to chew on and uh, yeah I just love the nuance of it I mean there's not much nuance though like it's just so standard still like that's that's something that is bugging me with every single one of these movies it's just it's so standard and safe still like I can't I don't, I don't know, know man. man. I just can't get past it. I can't. I can't. I can't give it a pass. I can't give any of these movies a pass. They're so so stupid and bland and cringe. I feel like I wasted my time watching. Well, each I mean that. That, that. I mean that kind of that sounds like a you problem. That doesn't really sound like a me problem. But I mean to each their own. I feel like I've said that so many times. I might as well. <laughs> I'll give myself a dollar every time I say to each their own. Look at that. I just earned myself another dollar. Yeehaw. I mean, yeah, you've definitely, definitely earned that, I guess. Nah, yeah, no, there's just not much else to this movie that, yeah. You want to get into ratings? Yeah, we can get into ratings, that's fine. Uh, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Um, this is a, yeah, no, this is a 1 out of 10 again. Um, not surprising. I bet you can guess where the next one's going to be, but I'm not going to spoil it for... Anybody that's curious, anybody that wants to hear my thoughts on it, you know, you can maybe guess. So, is he going to give this a 2 out of 10? I mean, I... The, uh, we'll see, I guess. So, what what score would you give this? You know, even though this is, like I said earlier, this is probably my least favorite one out of all four of this special quadrilogy that I hold near and dear to my heart. Um, it's got a little more uh, going on with it that I can critique, that I can criticize, uh, that I don't necessarily get behind, mostly just being the mascot thing. But uh, <clears throat> other than that, it's just, uh, you know, it's an excellent movie still. I'd be hard-pressed to even think about giving it a 9. So I'm still going to give this one a 10 out of 10. This one is a daggum, gosh-dang good time, man. This is this is a big old humdinger of a movie, I, if I do say so myself. Oh, look at that. I gave myself another dollar. <laughs> it's pretty good if I do say so myself. Oh, look at that again. I got another dollar. And <laughs> this is this has turned out to be wonderfully ergonomic for me. Yeah, that's that's good. I'm I'm really glad. I'm glad you're having fun. I'm glad that you're someone that can look at these movies in a way that is just unabashedly pure, maybe. Maybe with a little bit of unhinged energy to it, but I kinda respect it. And with that, I'm glad that you're on this podcast with me. Well, I'm, I, you know, I'm glad to be on here. I'm glad that you're saying these nice things about me. It's about time that uh, someone recognized the ability of myself and the ability of those around me to think about these movies in a, in a very nuanced and kind of subtle way. Um, I, yeah, I really do. I do love that little fat one, the little Theodore. He's Theodorable. If I <laughs> look at that, I'm 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 calling back to the the first movie right there. Yep, because Ian yep. says that uh-huh. to, to Theodore. Yeah, he, yeah. No, I I get it. That's yeah. That's that's cute. Um. So with that, I guess we'll go to our last movie that we can talk about with this. Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip. <laughs> so if you want to tackle that one. 
definitely be my guest. Okay, all right. Alvin and the Chipmunks, the road chip. Where the fuck is it? Okay, there it is. All right, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the road chip. Uh, this came out kind of much later after the third one. Uh, 2015 is, you know, it came out in a period where I, I myself was kind of getting worried that we weren't going to get much more, uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks live action content, but, uh, here we are, here we, here we are once again talking about this, this beautiful series with the final installment, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the road chip. It's got a cute little poster of it, uh, that says, uh, boys on the hood. I, I, you know, I, I don't really get that, but I mean, it's just kind of it's it's cute it's whatever it's a little they they got sunglasses on they look like they're gonna they look like they're gonna wreck shop the way they're standing with their cute little sweatshirts they look like the same pose of every every poster that's come out um yeah no same people uh we get some new characters though Dave has a new love interest and uh you know finally he's thinking about settling down but it turns out she has a son whose name is, I think, uh, Miles? Yeah, his name's Miles. And uh, he doesn't get along with the chipmunks very well. Chipmunks don't get along with him. And so the chipmunks and Miles have to race in order to prevent Dave from... proposing to his girlfriend and marrying her and to try to prevent those those characters from becoming step siblings so uh yeah and all the while the chipettes are trying to their judges on uh american idol i think it is not america's next top model <clears throat> all the meanwhile the chipettes are uh their judges on american idol and uh there's also bella thorne in here uh that that's another kind of subplot going on. There's a lot. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of moving pieces to this movie, uh, which is something that I really like about it. It's got a lot of character, a lot of heart, uh, like the previous films. And uh, yeah, no, I, I really do like this one, much like the other ones. Um, so yeah, take it away. Yeah, no, I mean, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say that could be different about this movie than the other ones? It's just cringe. There's so much of it. Uh, there's a character that says, this is my jazam. He literally says the word jizz in there. Um, there's something... I think Theodore does something called the juicy wiggle. He like he shakes his ass in front of the camera because that's what he's good at, I guess. Um, there's LMFAO. They show up in, this, in the beginning of it because they're having a house party at Dave's house. Again, they're just continuing to destroy Dave's house. Like, ha ha, isn't it funny that we're destroying this guy's house? And then Dave shows up and he's like, hashtag Dave's party was trending on Twitter. Like, the, that's the joke is the the, tw the Twitter trending thing. Yeah, they, well, they got to include the sort of modern references that people like. It, you know, if they listen, if they hear the word Twitter and it's referenced in their movie in a joking way, I mean, it's it's kind of automatically funny. To me, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure, maybe to you. It just seems so cheap to me. Uh, I think Alvin says at one point, Theodore, get our Speedos. Because they, they figure out that they're going on a vacation trip or something. And, like, well, I don't need to picture these these rodents, these little, these little bastards in Speedos. Like, maybe you're right in that they're catering to, like, the furry community or something. But, I don't know, it just seems... 
really out of place again for the kids movie. And then the villain of this of this film is just so bad. Like it, it there's no Ian this time. This is the only movie that David Cross somehow had the wherewithal to not be in. And they just got this other guy who's the villain and he just he he also feels like he doesn't want to be in it either. Like he just feels so tacked on and so cheap and stupid. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I don't agree with that necessarily. I think it's a breath of fresh air. I mean, finally we get a new villainous figure in a movie like this. Not that I was getting tired of, of Ian or anything, but I mean, not that he was the villain of the last film, but this this time we get a fresh new set of eyes on, on as an adversary for the Chipmunks, and uh, it just brings a breath of fresh air to this franchise that I think was needed. Not that this franchise wasn't already perfect, but I mean, it's... It's just something that you know. It 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 gives it a little, a little more kind of room to improve, room to grow, room to be even better than it was before, and I really like it. Well, yeah, okay, sure, but I mean, I wrote down how bland the music was. I mean, if you're gonna have a movie that the whole kind of purpose of their existence is to showcase music that could be fucking filtered through the chipmunk voice singing thing that they want to do like why is the music so bland and bad like it's just not something that it's not something that makes the movie good it's just so terribly done so they have dave's love interest be a lady with a stethoscope and then when you first see her you're like okay she's obviously a doctor because she's got a stethoscope around her and then she's like oh look at me i left my stethoscope on by accident hoy 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 like it's it, it's just so lame. Everything about this movie is lame. Like, the CGI on the chipmunks looks worse somehow than it did in the other movies. Like, I don't understand why it's starting to look worse when each of these films gets upped in budget by $10 million. Like, did the actors ask for more money? That's the only thing I can think of in order to even stand being in a film like this. Like, Jason Lee, to a lot of people, is just going to be known as the guy who was in the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. I mean, what kind of what kind of legacy is that? What what do you is that something that you want to leave behind for people to remember you by? Well, I mean, I'm not going to talk about I'm not going to judge or touch on a man's legacy that much because I think that that's something that is really up to him. I mean, what kind of legacy do you want to leave in it? The legacy if if that he leaves if it's endearing and entertaining and being enjoyable for a bunch of kids and a bunch of little soft-hearted little little bastards then i I think that's a noble kind of legacy to leave behind i mean it's going to be more of a legacy than i think you leave behind no offense or it's going to be more than what i might what i might leave behind i mean i do have my my blue collar comedy i do have um I do. I do have my comedy specials. That's just me. Um, I, oh, uh, Cars. I was in Cars, and uh, I, yeah, Delta Farce, like we talked about earlier. I mean, Jingle All the Way too. I mean, I got a lot of stuff. Um, and I mean, I know you got. I, you probably have a few things. I'm sure. I mean, you got this podcast, but you know, we got to start thinking about the kind of mark we want to leave on this world. And I, I'm an entertainer. You're an entertainer. Uh, Jason Lee's an entertainer, and if he wants to entertain these children, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the legacy of that man. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. That's fine. I mean, you don't have to talk about it. That's, that's whatever. That's, 
it's whatever you want to bring forth. Um, so yeah, they quote Liam Neeson from Taken. I have a particular set of skills. Uh, there's a bar fight where the music just doesn't match the bar fight at all. It sounds like it's something that should be in like a like a reel for America's Got Talent or something when they send someone through and it's like a heartfelt story. It's like, oh, wow, this is quaint, except the music doesn't match at all what they're going for. It's a bar fight. It's supposed to be kind of like this kind of gritty, grisly sort of scene, but nope, we're just going to have it be like happy-go-lucky whatever, just not fit at all. Oh, my God. And then they started singing Uptown Funk, except they had to do, like, a clean version of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that scene, yeah. Yeah, where they start singing it, and there's the lyric in the song that goes, fill my cup, put some liquor in it. Instead, for this movie, they go, fill my cup, put some water in it. It just sounds so lame. And, I mean, I guess... I guess they had to make it fit because it's a kids movie. Like, like that kind of makes sense. But like, why even include Uptown Funk in it at all? Like, why not just get another song that doesn't have mention of alcohol in it? If you're gonna, if you're gonna make it sound that goofy and stupid, fill my cup, put some water in it. Like, I don't, that doesn't even. <laughs> I don't know, man. It just was so ill fitting. Like, if you're gonna have Uptown Funk in your song, why even? Why even? bother censoring it why not just go with a different song at all yeah i mean i guess i looked at it more of as in it's important to stay hydrated it's important to kind of get your your uh energy from drinking water instead of you know mountain dew um although i do love mountain dew i i don't think i've had a glass of water in like probably two years but um anyway that's not the point the point is for them young kids watching they drink water they're gonna grow up to be big and strong just like their mama and uh yeah no i I get what they're coming from. And they, you know, they, they got to do, do, they, they do, do got to censor that song. Because if they talk about liquor, kids are going to go, oh, damn, they're talking about liquor. I want to go raid my dad's alcohol cabinet and get drunk and then pass out and then get alcohol poisoning and die. They, they, you don't, they don't want to be the cause of that. They'd have lawsuits on their hands. And, and I don't think Dave, I don't think Jason Lee would do well in prison. I mean, I don't know if it would necessarily lead to all that, but I understand more so why they did it. It just it's so stupid that they had to do it in the first place because it's a kids movie. Why did they even include that song? Like I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. And then the villain of the movie, Suggs. So first of all, his name is Suggs, S U G G S, which sounds a lot like, you know, the word sucks. And then he has his whole villain backstory is that his girlfriend loved Alvin and the Chipmunks, so then he obsessively got her Alvin and the Chipmunks stuff, and then she broke up with him because of it. Like, he even had, like, Alvin and the Chipmunks tattoos on him. Like, it's just super weird and kind of creepy and cringy for a kid's movie. Like, who is who are these movies for? That's what I want to ask you. Who are these movies for? Are they for kids? Because sometimes they don't feel like they're for kids. Right, they make all these measures and they do all these things to make it for kids. Like they include fart jokes, they include juvenile humor that's just so fucking stupid and disgusting and potty like. And then they also censor songs like Uptown Funk, Fill My Cup, Put Some Water in It. But then they have these weird storylines of 
oh, we're going to have the main villain get tattoos of the chipmunks as his like origin villain story. And then we're also going to reference stuff like Silence of the Lambs, Taxi Driver, like all these adult movies that these kids aren't going to understand. Like it's not even it's not even funny. Like I might give this movie a pass and I might give this whole series of movies a pass if it was more targeted towards a certain demographic instead of maybe trying to make it so oh we're going to try we're going to try to appeal to everybody by having this stupid ass humor in it like i don't know man take puss in boots the last wish for example that's a movie that can be watched and enjoyed by all sorts of ages but it's done so in a very nuanced and very refreshing kind of way like it includes elements of all those different things equally so that everybody can enjoy it. This one, it just feels like so bland and babyish. And every once in a while, they throw in some like quote unquote edgy humor, but that edgy humor ends up being like fart jokes and references to movies that these kids aren't going to understand. Like, I don't get where they're going. I'm not, yeah, I don't know, man. It just seems weird. And then, like, the inclusion of Bella Thorne. Can we talk about that for a bit? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like you've been talking quite a bit, but, um, I guess I'll uh, chime in. Sorry if I sorry if I went on a rant there. No, no, it's fine. I get on those I get on those tangentials too. Um, no, the thing with Bella Thorne is, uh, you know, she's real pretty. She's a nice young woman. Um, she's really really fine, mighty fine looking. Uh, she was on I think the Disney Channel or something. I don't really keep up with her that much, uh, you know, except maybe uh some of her online stuff. Anyway, um, no, I. I her inclusion in the movie is kind of like a mysterious, like, oh, this this is Bella Thorne. She's kind of like a mythical figure type thing. We can't get close to her. We can't touch her. And which, I, to me, that's why she's not in the movie that much. Maybe, like, what, only, like, five minutes for a duration? Yeah, no, she's, she's like, what, one of the top-billed actresses in the movie, and she's barely in it. And her whole character is that she's a singer, and that she's holding these concerts. And by the end of the movie, she's at a concert. And the only thing she ever sings is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, she doesn't sing much at all. <laughs> like, it's just so bad. She barely has any stage presence. Like, I don't get what the point of her character was other than, oh, look, we have Bella Thorne. Like, I guess at the time, she was, like, this up-and-coming hot young thing. And then they barely use her like i don't it just feels so lazy to me you can kind of see the writing on the wall of what they wanted to do with her which was barely anything she probably got most of this film's budget she was probably the highest paid actress in this movie and it, it clearly shows because the cgi is bad like all the the visuals are super bland as hell like it, it this one looks the most like a tv movie compared to all the other ones right like all the other ones are bad looking still but this one specifically was like super cheap looking yeah i mean maybe you know maybe you're right maybe it did uh include some of the some of the actors and actresses kind of you know obtaining some of that budgetary fun um to kind of get this movie going but i mean you got to make sacrifices you got to think about the integrity of the story and it's kind of like a video game i look at it that way where uh, i don't really concern myself with the graphics all that much is the gameplay good what what does that have to do with what does that have to do with alvin and the chipmunks in a movie like what 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 are you getting at oh i'm saying like you know compared to a game you get a good story 
uh, you know, if you get a good story, even if it's got maybe not such great visuals, but I mean, I still think that the visuals in this were amazing. I mean, I felt like I could just reach out and hold little Theodore's delicate, uh, fuzzy, uh, very kind of plump body. Um, anyway, no, I, I felt like I could really just kind of immerse myself in this world because of the visuals. And so I, I like them myself, but I mean, uh, it's just some, it's my perspective, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, can't argue with that there. Let me see if there's anything else in my notes. Otherwise, I'm cool with wrapping this sort of thing up soon, I think. Okay, yeah, you go for it. Yeah, so, yeah, there's no, there's a Matrix reference. Um, again, yeah, kids are gonna, kids are gonna enjoy that. Um, they, yeah, they hit the air marshal in the dick. Um, there's that wretched scene. There's that horrible wretched scene where they're in the airport and, I think it's Simon who's hiding in Miles's pant leg, and the TSA starts searching him. And then in Miles's pant leg, Simon gets scared and he starts pissing, and then he shits out of Miles's leg. And the TSA lady thinks it's him, and it's so it's so funny, right? It's so hilarious. It's so goofy and cool, and I laughed so hard at that scene. Like I was, I was knee, I was slapping my knee, I was rocking in my chair, I was belly laughing from here to Kingdom Come because it was so funny. Did you think it was funny? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was one of the most uh, impactful comedy scenes in uh, all these movies, and I think that really just kind of elevates it for me. Yeah, no, I was, I was being sarcastic. I, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean anything that I just said. Really? Oh, you were? Yeah. Yeah, no, I was I was having a laugh, Larry. I was I was having a laugh. I was being a cheeky bugger, as they say in England, you know. Oh wow, okay. Um Yeah, no, I did not pick up on that. I, my my sarcasm senses aren't they're not firing on all cylinders lately. Maybe it's maybe it's because I hit my head recently when I was four wheeling, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where like, you know, I totally believed you. I mean, (laughs) you're, you're, you're kind of a good actor. Maybe you should go into Alvin and the chipmunks, the next movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try not to take that as an insult, but, um, I appreciate it, Larry. I really do. Thank you. Yeah. No problem, man. Um, yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about with this? No, I think, I think I'm good if you're good. Yeah, no, I'm I'm all square set, diddly do gone dang to go. All right, cool. Um, yeah, no, this is a. Uh, I'm gonna. Ra- well, we can go into ratings. I think. Uh, I think you you go first. You go first. Okay. Um. Well, again, best quadrilogy of all time, best series of films of all time, in my opinion. Uh, if I do say so myself, there's another dollar. Um, no, I'm going to give this one a 10 out of 10. 10s all around. If this was, if this was a bowling lane, I would have a turkey plus one, uh, plus one other perfect frame. So that'd be, that'd be four, four strikes in a row. Um, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. 10, out of 10. And, uh, I, I do mean that from the bottom of my heart. I love these movies. I love the characters. I love Simon. I love Alvin. And I for sure love Theodore. He's just so damn cute. He's so damn plump. He looks so squeezable and squishable and huggable and kissable. I just love that little fella so much. And, uh, he's such a cute little bastard. I love him. Uh, okay. Yeah. 
No, I'm glad that we're done talking about this. I'm glad that we can move on to questions that we got. Um, but no, this is another to put the nail in the coffin. This is a one out of 10 for me. It was so grating, such a bad experience. I think I cringed into oblivion a thousand times. I would rather rip my own head off with my bare hands than have to watch these movies again. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I'm sorry, Larry. I'm really sorry that I didn't connect with him. I really wanted to for the sake of our discussion to find something that was redeeming about these movies. And I just couldn't. I just really, really could not. Yeah, I mean, to each their own. I don't. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not hurt. I'm not saddened. I'm not. Uh, I'm not forlorn about that kind of thing. But uh, you know, it's it's just your opinion. You know, whatever. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Yeah. Yeah. No. We can move on to questions. All right. So uh, this is the part where we go over our questions. Um, so normally we get questions from uh, social media, usually Facebook or our YouTube community page. So if you guys are listening and you have a question for us that you want us to answer, um, just be on the lookout for a post like that. Usually it'll be on the YouTube community page or our Facebook page. So um, be sure to follow us on either of those. And uh, yeah, we even have a question specifically for you, uh, our guest, Larry the Cable Guy. Oh, really? Oh, well, I do I do feel like a fitting in again uh, once, I, once I hear that I got a question for myself. Um, yeah, you let me know about that earlier and I, I was just, I was just giddy like a racehorse, you know, I, I was ready. I was ripping and rearing and, and farting and shearing, Ed shearing. I'm ready, ready to go. That's good. I'm glad. So our first question, uh, for you specifically is, uh, from Bill. He says, my question is for Larry. When filming your hit movie, Delta farce, what were some unexpected obstacles you encountered? So, uh, yeah, unexpected obstacles from filming delta farce well it's uh, that's a really good question bill i thank you um really one of one of the biggest obstacles when filming that movie was um it was getting past uh jeff dunham's huge ego um <laughs> i'm just i'm just kind of kidding oh really he had a huge ego well not not so you know i i mostly kid but at the same time i don't i mean at the time he was one of the like top paid uh, on stage ventriloquist comedians of all time. And, uh, once you get that title, you kind of start getting a big head about it. And, uh, so for, for weeks on end while we were filming, even though he only had one scene of the movie, he hung around for the entire time. And, uh, he would go around with his little puppets in his hand and he, he wouldn't really talk from the puppets. You know, he, the puppets wouldn't really talk. It was mostly just Jeff kind of kind of going around talking to himself but um he would he would go around to people asking if they knew who he was and most of them of course did know who he was because he was a character in the movie albeit a very 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 minor one but um no he'd go around he'd make sure that they knew who he was and uh if they did say that he knew or that they knew who he was uh you know he kind of he would nod his head and he would say pass and uh there was one time I'll never forget this, where uh, Jeff Dunham went up to this, I think it was a grip on our on our set, and he went up to him, and he asked, do you know who I am? And, you know, everybody up to that point told him yes, 
that they had heard of Jeff Dunham. And uh, this young man looked up at him, and he kind of paused for a second. And with a bit of a whimpering response, he said, no. And at that point, I was kind of just intrigued on what was going to happen because I had never heard anybody say no to Jeff Dunham before. And uh, I look over, you know, I'm in my I'm in my army gear, I'm in my garb, and uh, it's all it's all said and done. And the next thing I know, it, it all happens in a flash. Jeff Dunham, he like it's almost like he grew two sizes that day, in that instance, and uh, he took the puppet that he had at the time, and uh, in this case it was uh, Jose the Jalapeno on a stick, and he he kind of. He enchanted him in some kind of weird kind of spell thing. What? Yeah, yeah, it was really, it was off-putting and bizarre. And, uh, you know, Jose the Jalapeno on a Stick grew more than Jeff Dunham grew. And so Jose the Jalapeno on a Stick ate this rip whole, and uh, he's been missing ever since. So, yeah, he just kind of devoured this man. And then Jeff Dunham kind of grew back. I shouldn't say grew back because it's kind of a redundant statement. He shrunk back down to his normal size, and then he just went about his business like nothing happened. The only thing that that grip left behind were the shoes that he was wearing. Like he ate the man whole, except for his shoes. Not even like his. Not even like his severed feet were in it. Like he slurped them all up, and then his shoes were just off. And that's how I knew that man was dead, and that we would never see him again. So um. Yeah, no, it's not really something that I talk about too much because it was kind of a surreal experience. But, I mean, it was a fun shoot anyway. I mean, Jeff Dunham otherwise was a nice guy. But, um, yeah, that was just kind of a bit of a concerning sort of thing. You can cut all this out, right? This is something that you can censor. Yeah, yeah, uh, I will I will censor all of this. This very strange story. This is very weird. Um very weird experience yeah no i don't disagree with you there it was a very kind of weird experience and the funny part is uh bill ingvall looked over at me and he said wow ain't that a kick in the head which i mean i don't know if that was supposed to be a pun or a joke or anything but um the his lack of surprise at the situation kind of concerned me a little bit um but you know he's my co-star and i was like well if i want to get this movie done get her done uh i i better I better buckle down and kind of kind of put my head down and shut up and say my lines and move on to the next thing. I've actually kind of forgotten about that incident until this question has been brought up. So uh, thank you for uh, whoever answered or asked that question. Uh, yeah, no, that's yeah, that was my that was the most profound experience that I've had on that movie set. Not of my life, but I mean, it was it was rather noteworthy, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our next uh yeah, no, we can move on. Our next question is from Jeff. Uh, it's This is for both of us. Uh, he said, Hi, y'all. Big fan of the both of you. My question is, do you guys have any favorite game shows? I personally love Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Yeah, no, I mean, I I don't know if I'd say I like that show much at all. I'm, I, it's kind of lame and dumb. But, I mean, I know my friend uh, Foxworthy is on that show, so I... You know, I guess it's fine. Um, my my favorite game show is uh, uh, Family Feud. Oh yeah, you like that one? Yeah, I, I don't know how you feel about it. No, it's it's fine. I mean, 
I have fun watching it sometimes with my family, but it's it's like constantly reran. Like I always end up catching the same episodes every time. Yeah, no, me too. But I think that's kind of what I love about it is the familiarity of it. Maybe sort of what I love about the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies since I've seen them like 40 times through already. But I mean, it's one of those things where I just love the way that Steve asks something like, uh, name a part of the human body that is in the shape of a cylinder. And then someone will go, a penis. And then Steve Harvey will go, uh? and so he's like, I can't believe you just said that. You said the word penis on, on national TV. All right, I'm going to point at the board. It's gonna, um, I'm going to say penis. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it's not going to say penis. And then the thing pops up, number one answer is penis. And it's just so... It's just so fun. That's a knee. You were saying knee slapping earlier. That was a knee slapper for me. And I'm not even being sarcastic about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's that's usually the kind of shtick that he does. I don't know. I like chain reaction. That one's fun. What one was that one? It's where um they take uh words that could match up in a phrase and they go one after another. So you could say something like greenhouse, house, plant, plant uh factory or something it's like something like that you know where the words keep connecting to each other and then they got to try to fill it in oh okay yeah i think i've maybe seen some commercials for that one um yeah no uh what other game show do i i really like to the one with the deal or no deal mostly because of the women i really like the women models on there they they were very uh nice looking they look like they could i've actually emailed a few of them uh, none of them have replied to me but um you know if, if you're out there listening and you're you're a former deal or no deal model um you know and you get a you get an email from uh big larry at yahoo.com uh that's me uh just know that uh I, i'm still holding out hope that you'll respond and that we can spend a lovely evening together yeah i mean maybe who knows who knows if that's the case um was there any other game shows that we wanted to touch no on? i think we're good okay so our last question uh ron asks what are your guys perfect saturday so perfect saturday um, so I'll answer this one first. Um, I guess one of my perfect Saturdays would be I get to sleep in because I don't have to work and I usually take that day to spend with myself. Um, if I'm able to, I can spend it with friends. I can spend it with family. Uh, my girlfriend, I can spend it in pretty much almost any way that I want to. Really, when I think of Saturdays, I think of the freedom that I have and the kind of sort of just choices that are in front of me, something that I try not to take for granted. And free time is something that is really important to me. I think it's one of the most important things to me, um, just finding the time in general to do the things that I enjoy. And so really, that's the biggest thing for me. I don't know. What about you? All right. Well, let me set the scene. Perfect Saturday. All right. I'm at the family barbecue, I'm in the backyard, I'm cooking up some ribs, and then all of a sudden, I get a little bit about a heartburn, right? I've already downed like two and a half rack of ribs at this point, plus some chips, plus some tacos, and I'm thinking to myself, oh God, I've got some severe heartburn, I don't know what to do, I, I, I don't know how to solve this one, so... Uh, I, I panic, I look around, and then all of a sudden, I look over and I see my saving grace, and my saving grace... Is Prilosec OTC. 
Prado-Sec OTC, you take it before you eat your ribs, before you eat your meal, before you eat whatever delectable delicacies in front of you, and you are able to eat that without consequence of suffering from heartburn. That catches the heartburn before it has a chance to sneak up on you, uh, acts as a defense against acid reflux, and uh, is really one of the most powerful pills that you can take uh, in terms of combating heartburn, a symptom of getting older and being uh, less able to uh, uh, justifiably digest some of the food intake that you experience. So uh, I really can't say enough good things about Prilosec OTC. Um, they've helped me from time to time. They've helped me through some... From, they've helped... They've helped me through some binds. Uh, it, it's just something that I really do believe in. Uh, I, I really do. I, I couldn't say enough good things about it. Really, if, if Prilosec, if I could choose a religion, which I mean, I can't choose a religion, obviously. I'm a, I'm a God-fearing man. I love me some Jesus Christ. But if I could choose a religion, it, it, I would choose Prilosec OTC. I would worship Prilosec. Prilosec would be my God. If I do say so myself, there's another dollar. And, uh, yeah, to me, that's a perfect Saturday. Your perfect Saturday is eating ribs and having Prilosec OTC. Yep, that's it. That sounded a lot like a sponsorship. That was not... Uh, no, that's just how I honestly feel about it. You honestly feel like a perfect Saturday is eating ribs and having Prilosec OTC so you don't get heartburn? Yep, that's it. You've nailed it right on the head. I mean, okay. Yep. That's cool with me. I, do, do you have an issue with that sort of I, thing? I, no, I, I don't have an issue with it. It's just, it's not conventional. It's not something that most people, I think, would describe as their perfect Saturday. Well, I, I think that's, that, that, see, that's where the difference between you and I lies, is that you kind of, you, you, you box yourself up, and you put yourself in this situation that, Everybody else can kind of relate to and appreciate an experience, whereas I am a unique person. Are you saying I'm not a unique person? I'm not saying you're not unique. I'm saying that I myself have taken the road less traveled, and that road is ribs and Prilosec. And uh, that's how I choose to live my life uh, with my my ribs, my Prilosec, my Bible, and my God. And uh, I think that I'm not any less of a man because of it. No. No, you're not, and I'm I'm really glad that that's that's something that you can latch onto and that you can hold dear to yourself. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, speaking of thank you, um, thank you for for coming on. I I appreciate. Hey, it. thank you. <clears throat> thank you for having me on. This was uh this was a pleasant experience. I love talking about these films, and I love being here with you. Too bad we couldn't have Mac on. Uh, my little Mac daddy, my little Mackie wacky boy. But, um, you know, maybe next time. Yeah, maybe maybe next time we'll be able to get him on. That would be nice. Um, I'm sure he'd love to meet you. But uh, I'll, I'll be sure to tell him about the fun topics that we talked about. Is there anything that you wanted to kind of plug, kind of promote? Yeah, Um. so be sure to check out Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Uh, it usually plays sometimes on Comedy Central, sometimes on CMT, although, you know. And we also have the Blue Collar uh, Sketch TV show that reruns on uh, CMT sometimes. 
Uh, I've got a few comedy specials. Uh, I think they're called like Get Her Done or something. And uh, be sure to check out Delta Farce, one of my finest cinematic masterpieces. I'm sad we couldn't talk about that movie specifically, but uh, it's really just something that I feel you have to check out yourself before you hear anyone talk about it. Um, And also uh, Jingle All the Way 2. You don't even have to watch the first one. The second one really sets the bar high. So if you watch the second one, uh, you're gonna be the blows the first one out of the water, honestly, and um, I, you know just forget that the first exists because it's really its own standout thing. And uh, Cars, I, I played Tomator on the Cars sh- uh, movies, Pixar, and uh, yeah, no, uh, get her done. That's that's what I'm about. That's how I live my life. Praise God, praise Jesus. Uh, eat Prilosec. It's what it's what he would want. Okay. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, this was a special episode of the Neon Crew Podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We're also on www.neoncrewpodcast.com. We got some merch, got some crew necks. Be sure to grab one for yourself. And uh, follow us on various social medias, our Facebook page. We've got our YouTube community page. And uh, yeah, Larry, would you like to do the honors of signing us out? Yeah, that's right. WWLTCD. What? What would Larry the Cable Guy do? <sighs> Bye. Bye.